Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. requests at all for me to do anything. Okay, is it private now? Anyway, someone liked it. Thank you for the like, whoever liked it. People cannot grasp what is going on. The case of girl one. We're watching a little girl grow up. It's really horrific, yes. The abuser certainly seemed to want to shock. These videos being distributed across the world. It's just a wave that hits you every single day that you come in at Tarsus Argos. We are that thin blue line. They're going to help regardless of where they're at in the world. We uncovered the criminal enterprise, a hierarchical structure focused on the sexual exploitation of children. There was a car. The bedspread. Crime scene. The clock is ticking. He saved the little girl. Opened a Pandora's box. This was a case into a sea of other cases. The sheer amount of content has soared. And all it did was take us to another haystack full of needles. It's brutal. With the race to Asia, New Zealand. There's things that will never leave you. Ever. We just can't leave them. Any weapon, any tool that is available, I'm gonna use it. This is a village issue, a global village issue. When somebody asks you to bring your skills to the table because children are being abused, there is no such thing as no. Not my world. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Pekovich, and this is episode number 380. Making its national TV debut this October 24 on SBS is The Children in the Pictures, a documentary that takes us into Task Force Argos, an Australian investigative team that goes undercover to rescue children from online sexual abuse, an incredibly important film that dives to the darkest corners of the dark web while shining the light on those heroes in law enforcement who have sworn to combat the scourge of child exploitation pornography, the children in the pictures is also a call to arms for all communities to expose and fight against an insidious and ever-growing monster that has our children in its sights. And joining me now are the directors of the children in the pictures, Akim Deb and Simon Nasht. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Matthew. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us, Matthew. Akim, I'm, uh, Deb, I'm going to ask you first. So. Eight years ago, your interview with a prisoner, I believe, was at uh, Long Bay Prison. And what, so, like, information came up in that conversation that pretty much got the ball rolling for this documentary. What was it that you'd learned in that conversation? What was it about that information that really got the ball moving that you wanted to make a documentary about it? I think at the time there was um, there'd been a lot of talk about um, the dark web, uh, Silk Road, 
arms arms exchanges, all that sort of stuff in this, you know, nebulous, unexplored, unindexed part of the web, which I had really had no idea about. Um, yeah. A part of me even thought it was, you know, maybe mythical <laughs> to for want of a better word, but um no, the, the the I guess the the chilling part was um, you know the guy said look even even myself as a child sex offender even I can't grasp the scale of what's happening on the dark web you know and he mentioned that it was a very rapid fire but he was you know mentioning these communities with um, you know tens of thousands of members um, the amount of material the severity of the material. And I, I, I left the prison, um, you know, as you do when those gates close behind you and you're on the other side, you know, you feel you feel a sense of relief and it gives you a bit of time to ruminate and think. And um, the, 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 the first thing I thought was, um, is it true? Could it mm. be true? Um, so, look, to cut a long story short, um, I... I was I was taken on I was I went on a bit of a guided tour of uh, the dark web using the Tor browser, um, and what he said was what he said was true, and then some. You know, um, I looked at a network. It said that it had forty five thousand members. It was hierarchical in structure. Um, there were roles and responsibilities. There were codes of ethics. And there was a currency, and the currency was the images, which they traded um, over platforms that, you know, we use ubiquitously from every day, you know, file transferring mechanisms that are available to all of us. Um, so, um, you know, when I, when I continued doing research on, on, on these networks and uh, takeovers of networks or takedowns of networks from the law enforcement response, the name Argos, Task Force Argos, kept on popping up everywhere. Um, it just seemed like every major uh, incursion into uh, child abuse uh, trading and uh, online uh, child exploitation material, um, they had a they had a role to play. So I reached out to uh, John Rouse, the head of the unit. Um, look, he you know patiently told me that. Um, uh, you know, my observations were correct, but, you know, he was a little bit busy at that time. Yeah. <laughs> and just to wait and he'd get back to me. And within a couple of months, uh, three major boards um, went down and, a, a you know, a, a big investigation in the Philippines that um, revealed, um, you know, the, the, the true extent of uh, live on-demand streaming of um, child abuse. Uh, they, they were all shut down. Ironically, all involving um, Australian admins and all involving Argos. In fact, the site that I had visited at that time had actually been infiltrated and was being run by Argos. Hmm. So um, it was one of those, wow, you know, um, so this is how you do it <laughs> kind of moments. And, um, you know, John was like, okay, well, now we can talk and, Basically, um, you know, that was the stage where, um, yeah, he, he, he just basically opened the doors to a, a law enforcement community, um, to a community of NGOs, which play a huge part in it, and tech providers. 
And that's where it started. And um, I soon realised very, very quickly I was way out of my depth in terms of the storytelling part of this. And um, that's when I reached out to um, Simon for, you know, his wealth of knowledge and expertise. So, Simon, you know, a lot of true crime documentary kind of deals with after-the-fact investigations or cold cases, et cetera. What you're dealing here with the whole task force, Argos, is like ongoing investigations and things that are going on. Is there parameters that are in place of what you can and cannot uh, put on screen? Um, and is, you know, and while you want to try to be as transparent as you can, I'm sure you just have to respect that process, don't you? Absolutely. I mean, we had a couple of you know, pretty unique challenges with this film. Firstly, you know, I've worked with in the past a lot of archive-based films, and in this and in this project, we had an awful lot of archive, um, more than I've ever had in any film I've ever worked with. But the only catch was we couldn't use a single frame of it because mm. it's um, every one of those images is a crime scene photograph, effectively, and a crime scene photograph taken by the perpetrator, which is one of the unusual aspects of this crime type. Secondly, obviously, the subject matter is extremely confronting. Yes. Uh, it's just it's just not for everybody, that's for sure. Uh, and that is one of the challenges that I think people working in this sector, law enforcement, um, trauma groups, um, anyone dealing with child protection faces all the time, is that the subject matter is just um, so grim, so so terrible that people switch off and yeah. will not listen. Um, and when you consider that this is the world's fastest growing major crime, um, we've just had a report out from the We Protect organisation uh, this week saying, you know, the the, num the incidences have doubled under COVID conditions because kids are locked up, perpetrators are locked up, they're online <laughs> together, you know, it's just been a perfect storm. Um, that we're seeing instances of 60,000 individual reports of online child abuse every day, wow. every day. Um, and so you get you begin to get a sense of the scale of this crime, but it, of course, is not in any way being reflected in the reporting or the, the public understanding of it because it's so difficult. So we had to find a way to tell the story. Uh, I think Dev and I quickly centred on the fact that, you know, there are these remarkable people whose job it is to do these investigations every day and they could be our way into a story that otherwise is just too shocking to, to consider. Um, they are, not to use a cliche, they are remarkably heroic people because if you can imagine every day having to deal with the confronting images that we can't even talk about, let alone show in the film, um you get a sense of just how dedicated you have to be to take on this kind of work. Definitely, you know, the toughest job in law enforcement. As one of them said to us, you know, if you work in homicide, you're too late. Yeah. The, victim's, the victim's gone. Here, there's a desperate search to try and find that victim, to identify them and rescue them, bring them out of harm's way. So it's, um, you know, it's a pretty compelling story. Yes, there were restrictions. Of course there were. There were operational restrictions. As one of our uh, investigators in the film, Adele Desir, says in the film, listen, Dev, I, 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 she speaks, speaks to Dev, I'd love to tell you how we found this guy. What was the mistake that he made that allowed us to actually zero in from, from anywhere in the world to anywhere in the Philippines to anywhere in this southern city, Cebu, to actually his address? How did we get there? I'd love to tell you, but I can't 
because if I tell you that, then that's useful information for perpetrators to, you know, avoid getting into that, making that mistake again. So yes, we had to, we had to have a discussion clearly with the uh, with the police about you know what we could and couldn't show. But I don't think in any way it restricted us from telling a you know a pretty compelling story. But you know, you've seen it. What do you think? Did we did we achieve what we hoped to? Well, I, I believe you absolutely done that to the point where it has got me you know as a as a father you already have kind of like instinct to instinctual inclinations about the things that are going online but yep. you don't understand the depth of where it goes and after watching your documentary I, it's, it's scared me shitless to tell you the truth and i think that's a good thing that uh, i think that. that's a good thing too it's it's i mean we we have to as the filmmakers um strike a kind of um careful balance about um just how far we take the audience into the reality of what's going on with this crime. I think that's, um, you know, there's no perfect way of reaching that. But I think, you know, Dev and I had, as you can well imagine in the edit, many discussions about what we would or wouldn't show or talk about. Um, And in the end, I think we always erred on, I hope, on the side of caution in that um, we, there's no point telling people a reality that is so ghastly that they'll they'll switch off or they, they won't pay attention or, frankly, they'll walk out yeah. uh, or switch it off. Um, and that, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, you, you, you've got that visceral reaction to what you've been confronted with and, um, you know, I mean, a, a lot of the times my, my friends would ask me, you know, like, how did it get to this scale? And the, the answer is, is that it's grown in silence. So, you know, another mission of the documentary was you know how do we develop a, a, a language where we can talk about this issue you know um so we as you know filmmakers and um i guess you know standard bearers for the the cause um that was that was a part of the job you know to try and make the unspeakable speakable you know uh to make the unwatchable and the ghastly Watchable. It's a it, it, it's it's a big bitter pill that we ask our audiences to swallow, but we hope at the end of it, you realise that's kind of all you need to know in terms of like the horror of the of of the crime type. Um, are we at the tipping point? No, we're, we're nowhere near. A lot of work needs to be done, and that's where we hope that you know the film empowers our audience uh, to take a stand and align themselves in the same way that our investigators have aligned themselves and that's basically with putting the children first. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by 80s Tees. 80s Tees is an online retailer of licensed t-shirts and pop culture gear from your favourite movies, TV shows, cartoons, video games, comic books and musicians. Celebrate your inner 80s nerd and click on the link in the show notes below to get the raddest retro t-shirts delivered to your door. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by Loot Crate. Founded in 2012, Loot Crate is the worldwide leader in fan subscription boxes. Loot Crate partners with industry leaders in entertainment, gaming, sports and pop culture to deliver monthly themed crates, produce interactive experiences in digital content and film original video productions. No matter what you geek out about, Loot Crate has a subscription box for you. 
to get your very own exclusive collectibles, apparel, and gear delivered to your door, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is also brought to you by Voodoo. Watch the latest movies and TV shows anytime, anywhere. No subscriptions, no contract. Enjoy stunning quality in up to 4K ultra high definition at home and download and watch on your mobile device as well. To rent and buy from over 100,000 titles or watch thousands of movies free with Voodoo Movies on us, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. Now, back to the show. You know, Devin Simon, this year will be 15 years that I've been doing this stuff online. In those 15 years, I've seen changes in technology, changes in social media platforms, the approaches that they have, the, the things they kind of encourage users to do. I'm of the mind that very soon every single person will become a content creator online. Everyone's got a phone. Everyone's got access to platforms. And one of the biggest things that people are doing now is live streaming. It's something that's really encouraged by social media networks. I don't know why that is, but that's like really a big thing right now. Yeah, it's free content. And and, and, uh, one of the scary things about the way this crime evolved is that that content is now being sexualized, that children are being uh, pulled into a web where it's normalized to um, show pictures of themselves, not just naked, not, I wish it was as simple as that. It's it's much worse than that. Uh, it's even been monetized on some platforms yes. where, you know, they, they'll get likes and tokens and be able to convert that into a kind of currency so that, and there are no, as we make the point in the film, there are no controls mm. on social media platforms. There are no rules and regulations that say they must build child protection, child safety in by design into their apps. It is a free-for-all. I think, you know, we've seen the concerns in the last couple of weeks about Facebook and the way that um, young women are having their their, um, body dysmorphia because of, you know, Instagram just showing perfect bodies, how dangerous that is. But it is nothing, believe me, it is nothing compared to what is going on in terms of child exploitation and Mm. sexual abuse. And, you know, it's the door they don't want to open. Yeah, yeah. And, and look, and, and, and it's going back to your original statement on you know how we how we tell a story uh, like this. Um, we're we're really fortunate to have <clears throat> basically you know John and Paul um, as two central characters, whose basically their whole working career is the history of the internet. You know, they started off um, in the field of child protection from dial-up days right the way through to, you know, cable optics and now where the internet has gone mobile. Mm. So really, in a way, what we're telling is we're, we're, we're telling a history of the technology um, evolution and the move and shift from um, different modalities and platforms um, and basically the, the, the whole concept of the internet not being regulated and being left open for abuse. But another point that... I really want to emphasise and, um, you know, I hope it comes clear is um, it's not just girls that are suffering this. A lot of the, you know, the the what they call the user-generated content that's being made by on the live streaming platforms like, um, you know, whether it's Messenger or Instagram or TikTok or whatever, a, a lot of the abuse that occurs happens to boys. Um so yeah, it's it's. Uh, 
I think that I think the most frightening statistic is is basically you know one in three children will um, identify as having been um, exposed to you know some form of grooming technique mm. you know, by, by the time they're 14 15 so after people are going to watch this documentary which is on the 24th on SBS um, you know what do you think is the steps that people should take, especially parents, in regards to making sure that their children are not ensnared in this web this gonna, that, that's happening out there? Is it just come down to the simple fact that people just need to talk to one another? Parents need to talk to kids. Kids need to talk to parents, but especially parents talking to kids that need to be frank in the discussions about things. Like, for example, I'm Catholic. I'm a practicing Catholic. And after the whole uh, Royal Institution, uh, the, the Royal Commission had... Um, it's uh, its findings into institutional um, uh, abuse within churches, churches especially. I've have actually had discussions with my children in regards to what is acceptable, what is, and what people say to you, et cetera, when it comes to being in a church or in a school or anywhere else. Actually, because I just found that it's really important that people know what you know. My kids know what is acceptable, what isn't. If anything happens, you talk to me straight away about it. And I, I have a feel I'm going to talk to them about this again in a couple of years when they're old enough to go online because you know. I don't know if you guys know, but in the last few weeks here in lockdown, all my kids have been doing is learning online. So they're getting kind of used to that sphere right now. Do you think it's just going to come down to after your documentary that parents need to be very frank with their kids and discussions in regards to what to look out for in regards to being on internet and to just be open to talk about anything? There's no no such thing as you've done something bad. It's just about learning from this and trying to, to grow together in regards to all of it. I mean, absolutely, absolutely, you know, discussion and talking about it is is the first step. You you have to be able to broach that conversation in some way and and do it in an age appropriate way as well. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the a lot of the stuff that we're dealing with, of course, is the you know, the extreme end of the spectrum. But you know, I mean, I've got a 21-year-old and a six-year-old. And um, you know, I remember when the six-year-old was three, she she could unlock my phone. Yeah, she could rummage around on it. And I think it's I think you know at that age we don't want to terrify our children. Um, you know, I mean, but at the same time we we talk about stranger danger. Yes, but we never kind of um, extrapolate on that and say you know the most chance of you bumping into a stranger is online. But I think it's got to be even more simplified than that. And we, we, we've got to start teaching our kids, I call it internet hygiene. Mm-hmm. You know, basically, you know, what's right and wrong about the internet, um, you know, how much time you should spend on it, um, you know, how attached you are to your device. I think, um, and, and, and that's, got to, that's got to really start at a preschool level. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time you get to teenagers who are 14, 15 and, you um, I mean, I remember when I was a teenager, of course, I, I went through, you know, natural risk-taking um, behaviours and, and stuff like that. You're almost too late, I think. You know, I think you kind of like what we hope happens then is that victims that have been abused have the courage then to report that to their parents and discuss it with their parents and say, hey, look, this has happened to me. Um, but ultimately, you know, I, I hope that these are the first steps in, you know, trying to create a society where, you know, we, we're not talking about children as victims, mm-hmm. we're talking about them as assets that we, you know, that we're trying to protect. Yes. Very good. Simon? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's definitely, I mean, there's ignorance on both sides. Amongst parents, we're not aware of what's going on and kids not aware of the risks they're running by sharing images. Um, and <laughs> so you're right. I mean, there are many things that can be done and we'll be working on some of those directly at legislative level at uh, with the technology companies. But in the family, at home, you have to establish trust with your kids to talk about this subject. That is the number one lesson that all of the specialists in this field return to us. Big mistake to take the phone away from the kids because it just goes underground then. Believe me, yeah. they'll find a way to access what they want, um, whether you know about it or not. So better to have it out in, in the open. And, of course, the, the crime works on children being shamed, being embarrassed, um, being uh, manipulated and extorted uh, and it escalates from there. One image leads to a more risque image, leads to a more dangerous image, and 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 that happens very quickly. It can happen within minutes, actually. Um, and so the child is trapped and has nowhere to turn. But if they have the knowledge that they're not going to be blamed by mum and dad, yep. that they're not going to have the phone taken away by mum and dad, but to stop it before it gets serious, and it gets serious, it can lead quickly. We've heard of a case, Dev and I, and it's, it's not unique from a, a, a specialist psychologist that deals in, if you told us the story of a sextortion online from first contact to suicide, and that process took a week. From first contact to that child killing itself out of shame, Jeez. seven days. And that is a far from unusual occurrence these days. It is, it's awful to think that, but... It needs to be, you know, you need to establish that conversation, that level of trust with your child about their online life because, let's face it, for the current younger generation, and we're talking quite young kids now, it's the only world they know. Yeah. You cannot take away their social media from them. It's like cutting off their right arm. Yeah. So you have to build into that a level of trust and understanding about the risks, and it doesn't restrict them from, you know, having a, an active social life online, but it does make them aware of what to look out for and to come and seek help if they're in trouble. I think, I think another thing is that, you know, like we really hope that, um, you know, by opening up that discussion, we end up in, we end up in a dialogue with the people who are the manufacturers of apps and social media platforms and just encourage them that, you know, for future developments to basically have safety inbuilt by design from the get-go yeah. rather than trying to plug the dam. And I think also another thing that we've got to realise is that, um, I mean, we're, 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 our documentary is basically focused on internet-facilitated crimes against children and corporations have a role to play in that. And I mean every corporation has the role in terms of protecting and preserving their own intranet spaces. Because, it, I mean, we are talking about billions of images now that are being circulated, but one in 1,000 of, of um, child abuse images are discovered by the, uh, in a workplace. Wow. So even, even you know, like even adults and um, companies, um, you know, I believe they, there should be a corporate responsibility to, um, to protect their workers from this as well and um yeah i mean I, I guess i guess all we're trying to um really achieve is um 
you know, this is this this problem exists. We've 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 let it grow and expand for far too long, and um, we're we're not claiming to provide all the solutions, but we're hoping that um, it'll encourage enough conversation where, you know, the smartest guys in the room can work towards that. So for everyone out there listening, the children in the pictures going to have its national TV debut on SBS this October 24, 8.30 p.m. I highly recommend that everyone watch this movie. It is an important documentary, important film about an important subject, and more that people are exposed to it, the more that they talk about it. The, um, I think the better everyone will be. As it says in the documentary, this is a global village and it needs a uh, uh, a whole village to come together and really take care of the issues here and take care of our children and especially uh, with emerging uh, digital trends that we've been talking about in this documentary and Dev and, and, and sorry, um, Dev and Simon, I thank you both so very much for your time today. Congratulations to both of you for the documentary. Best of luck with the release and I know you have a um, uh, well, premiere tonight at Indy Newton. Best of luck with that as well and and hopefully this is the beginning of for a lot of people to really open their eyes and and talk about these issues and really get to the bottom of it because um, we surely do need it, I think. Thank you very much, Matthew. Just to add, it's available on, on um, SBS online for another 30 days, of course. So if you don't, you can't catch it at the weekend, um, it's still available to watch there and watch it with your family. Thank you for letting me know. Thank you both for, so much for your time today. And, uh, again, congratulations with the documentary. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matthew. Thank you.